Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the ProAssurance conference call to discuss ProAssurance's results for the nine months and quarter ended September 30, 2014. These results were reported in a news release on November 5, 2014. That news release and the company's other SEC filings, including its 10-Q, also filed on November 5, 2014, will provide you with important information about the significant risks and other factors that could affect ProAssurance's business and alter expected results. Also, management expects to make statements on this call dealing with projections, estimates, and expectations, and explicitly identifies these as forward-looking statements subject to applicable safe harbor protections. The content of this call is accurate only on November 6, 2014, and except as required by law or regulation, ProAssurance will not undertake and expressly disclaims any obligation to update or alter information disclosed as part of these forward-looking statements. Now I would like to turn the call over to Mr. Frank O'Neill. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Mar. Everyone, please note that we will also be referencing non-GAAP items in our call today. Our recent news release provides a reconciliation of these non-GAAP numbers to their GAAP counterparts. Participating in today's call are Howard Friedman, the president of our Healthcare Professional Liability Group, our chief financial officer and executive vice president, Ned Rand, Mike Boguski, the president of Eastern Alliance Insurance Group, and our chairman and CEO, Stan Starnes, who will start us off with some opening thoughts. Stan? Thanks, Frank, and thanks to everyone on the call for your participation and interest. This is an exciting time for our company and our industry. Our American health care system continues to progress through meaningful change, and we continue to find opportunities in this evolving landscape. We are positioning ProAssurance for continued success through our ongoing build-out of our insurance platforms and through our thoughtful capital management practices. Our insurance operations produce strong results and significant profitability in the third quarter, and we have returned a record amount of capital through our share repurchase and dividends as we focus on meaningful value creation for our shareholders. Frank? Thank you, Stan. Howard Friedman, the president of our Healthcare Professional Liability Group, will cover both the specialty P&C and Lloyd segments. Howard? Thanks, Frank. There's no question that the marketplace is highly competitive in all lines of business in specialty P&C. And given the nature of the market, I believe our ability to maintain a strong top line this quarter is a testament to our employees, the range of products we offer, and our capabilities to meet evolving market needs. Gross premiums written were down slightly in this segment, a bit less than 2% quarter over quarter. New business premiums for physicians and other healthcare providers were essentially level, and new business for healthcare facilities was $2 million, an increase of a million over Q3 2013. Medical technology and life sciences added $1.4 million in new business. The physician business makes up the greatest part of specialty P&C, and retention is one point higher this quarter than in last year's third quarter. At the same time, renewal pricing in this portion of the segment was 2% higher than expiring, a one-point improvement quarter over quarter. Healthcare facilities saw a two-point year-over-year improvement in retention in the quarter. We are seeing progress in a number of our joint marketing and shared risk programs. 
the most prominent being our relationship with Ascension, now with approximately $22 million in annualized premium and approximately 2,700 insureds. This includes, for the first time, insuring some Ascension-employed physicians and facilities. Cap Assurance, another shared risk program, continues to add new business in California and adjacent states as well. I emphasize this because as we increase the penetration and importance of these shared risk efforts, we will continue to write additional high-quality business that we believe will provide opportunities we would not otherwise see. We believe the risk-sharing features of the joint programs are important because they ensure alignment of interests and the resulting level of commitment of the participants. But we recognize that these arrangements also result in an increase in seated premiums. Our session of podiatry premium to Lloyd Syndicate 1729 also increases overall seated premiums. Two additional points about the shared risk business. It's generally very sticky, which allows us to build long-term relationships and create loyal policyholders. Also, these programs demonstrate to the marketplace in a very real way that we can be a meaningful partner that brings a range of services and financial strength to any program in which we are a participant. Turning to losses, we see no change in overall loss trends in the specialty PNC segment. That's particularly true in healthcare, both in our historical business and in the larger, more complex risks that have emerged over the past four years due to market consolidation. We have maintained our underwriting focus, and that has allowed us to ensure the long-term profitability of the business we have written. Our net favorable reserve development in the segment was strong at $42.3 million, although down 14% from the same quarter last year. That's the main reason our net loss ratio was five points higher at 51.4%. Premiums and loss costs have been lower for the past several years, and as a result, the overall pool of loss reserves is smaller. The current accident year net loss ratio is 85.6% versus 83.1% in the year-ago quarter. As we noted in previous quarters this year, this increase is primarily due to higher accruals for internal claims adjustment expenses against a lower volume of premiums earned and our recognition of administrative claims defense costs on a more current basis rather than making a true-up at year-end. This doesn't signify any deterioration in our specialty P&C business, and I want to assure you that we continue to be as disciplined as ever in our reserving practices for the business we are writing now. I want to hi highlight two emerging opportunities. The first is the introduction of ProAssurance Risk Solutions. This is a new unit led by a team of industry veterans that is focused on, as the name implies, complex financial transactions and risk financing opportunities, primarily in the medical liability and workers' compensation space. These are often runoff liabilities in M&A transactions, but they can also involve the assumption of existing liabilities in large organizations seeking to restructure capital or other transactions designed to provide financial flexibility. I need to emphasize that these will not be frequent transactions, but they can be quite large and have been historically profitable for this underwriting team. We all are already seeing some opportunities, and we're confident that this will be another potent weapon in our arsenal as we offer a wide variety of liability and risk financing solutions. That's also the case with the second new product I want to mention. ProAssurance Complex Medicine, or PROXIM. 
This is a program that enhances our commitment to large healthcare facilities that are retaining more of their own risk. Generally, hospitals with 750 or more licensed beds and a self-insured retention of at least $2 million. We are working with Propraxis on this program. Propraxis is an underwriting agency capitalized by Cooper Gay, Sweat and Crawford Group, which will provide ProAssurance with their proprietary advanced underwriting analytics for these complex risks and will assist us in developing complementary insurance products to bolster the coverage these organizations require. There is quite a bit of interest in this program already. Let's switch the, to the Lloyd segment now, and let me remind you that our participation in Syndicate 1729, which began operations on January 1st, is 58%, and we are reporting on a one-quarter lag with the exception of investment results and certain expenses. Duncan Dale and his team are seeing a high level of submission activity, indicating broad acceptance in the Lloyd's market due in no small part to the reputation of the team working for the syndicate. Our 58% share of Syndicate 1729's net written premium was $3.9 million for the second quarter and was $24.2 million through June 30th. Duncan continues to exercise his well-known underwriting discipline, and we are pleased overall with results so far. The mix of business has not changed. It's still primarily property casualty reinsurance and some direct property coverage, mostly in the U.S. market. The syndicate's expenses are about as we expected, and we anticipate loss ratios will fluctuate from quarter to quarter as the syndicate writes more business and the book begins to mature. Frank? Thanks, Howard. Uh, next up is workers' compensation and Mike Boguski. Mike? Thank you, Frank. Eastern had another solid quarter benefiting from continued growth in payrolls, favorable protection results across all operating territories, and consistent loss trends in the traditional book of business. We are pleased with the third quarter production results. Eastern's gross premiums written were $60.3 million, and direct premiums written were $58.4 million, which included premium renewal retention of 84.6% and new business writings of $12.6 million. We achieved renewal rate increases of 2.1% and audit premiums were 2.2 million during the quarter. The calendar year net loss ratio was 66.4% with a benefit of 1.2 points of favorable development. In our traditional workers' compensation business, the calendar year loss ratio remained consistent year to date, including favorable frequency and severity train trends. We did experience an increase in severity-related claim activity in the alternative markets business, which is the primary driver of the $483,000 negative segregated portfolio sell dividend expense in the third quarter. The combined ratio is 96.1%, which includes 2.6 percentage points of intangible asset amortization and 0.3 points of non-recurring expenses, primarily related to ProAssurance's acquisition of Eastern. We also received the benefit of 1.4 points from increased audit premium in the quarter. We continue to be proactive with our approach to closing claims. At September 30th, Eastern had just 15 open claims in our traditional book of business, net of reinsurance for accident years 2007 and prior, and closed 44.8% of 2013 and prior claims in the first nine months of 2014. We continue to be pleased with the progress on our 2014 strategic plan, including continued focus on organic growth, 
geographic expansion, and cross-selling initiatives. We launched the Granville, Michigan satellite office during the quarter to further diversify the company's geographic footprint and to deliver a local service platform in the growing Michigan market. Cross-selling initiatives produced approximately 15 new agency appointments, one joint customer relationship, and one new segregated portfolio cell program that will officially launch in 2015. Frank? Thank you, Mike. We'll wrap up segment discussions with our Chief Financial Officer, Ned Rand, who will discuss the corporate and consolidated results. Ned? Thanks, Frank. Let me quickly hit a few highlights from our corporate segment with investment-related items producing the bulk of the segment's results. Our net investment result was essentially flat quarter over quarter and year over year. Declines in our fixed income portfolio, driven by low interest rates and the reduction in our investment portfolio from our stock buyback initiatives, were largely offset by a strong performance in our alternative investments. Operating expenses were up slightly as we achieved about $700,000 in operational savings from a variety of small items and those were offset by costs associated with previously discontinued operations, a one-time expense. There was also the interest expense due to the debt issuance in fourth quarter 2013 that had no counterpart in last year's third quarter. During the quarter, we received a significant income tax refund as we wrapped up the dispute with the IRS that has been detailed in our past 10-K filings. Turning to our consolidated results, the addition of Eastern has been a shot in the arm for our top line and to a lesser extent, the top line has benefited from our participation in Lloyd Syndicate 1729. Gross premiums written were up 37% over last year's third quarter to $227 million and are up 40% year over year. Howard referenced the $42.3 million of favorable development we saw in specialty PNC, and this comes from accident years 2007 to 2012 and we also saw $600,000 of favorable development from the workers' compensation segment. If you will remember from last quarter, there was approximately $400,000 of net favorable development in workers' compensation attributable to the amortization of the purchase accounting fair value adjustment of, of the reserves. We will continue to reflect that level of quarterly amortization over the next six years. I want to emphasize something that Howard said. The decline in the amount of favorable development we have seen this quarter and for the year is not unexpected and is not being driven by a change in our underwriting or reserving process. Pricing has been relatively stable over the last several years and severity continues to climb upward currently at around a 2% rate. This coupled with a smaller base of reserves means that while there remains potential for further reserve development, assuming a continuation of a favorable loss environment, the absolute dollar amount of development is likely to be less. The consolidated current accident year net loss ratio improved three points quarter over quarter to 80.3%, due primarily to the lower loss ratios on our workers' compensation business. However, with the quarter over quarter decrease in reserve development, the consolidated net loss ratio was up approximately 10 points to 56%. Consolidated expenses warrant a mention as well, as there are a number of moving parts. The majority of the increase is driven by the inclusion of Eastern and Syndicate 1729. Additionally, as Stan mentioned, we are making investments in our infrastructure and our people as we evolve to meet the changing demands of the healthcare industry, and these investments are pushing up the expense ratio. In addition, our expense ratio also increased as a result of a few distinct items. 
One of these is also a part of that evolution, as we wrote off capitalized software costs that we no longer believe have value for our organization. This increased expenses by approximately $700,000 in the quarter. We also incurred unanticipated costs associated with previously discontinued operations that added $1.7 million in expenses to the quarter. Our under, underwriting results were strong. The combined ratio was 86.6% for the quarter and 85.1% for the year to date. Operating income in the quarter, which excludes realized investment losses, was $40.1 million, or 68 cents per diluted share. Turning to the subject of capital management, in the third quarter, we purchased approximately 999,000 shares at a total cost of $45 million. Since the quarter ended, we have continued to purchase, purchase shares under the auspices of our 10B51 plan, and our year-to-date repurchase stands at 4.3 million shares at the total cost of $192 million, which leaves us with $112 million in our current repurchase authorization. The repurchases, along with the $53 million in dividends declared so far this year, mean that we have already returned more capital to investors through 10 months of 2014 than we have in any single year in our history. As we have mentioned in previous calls this year, we are confident in the value represented by ProAssurance shares and we believe the record amount of capital we are spending on our shares represents a sound investment in the future of ProAssurance. However, please be aware that in the short run, buying at these levels does hamper our ability to grow book value per share, which is up 3% since year-end to $40.24. Tangible book value per share at September 30th was $34.80. And finally, at September 30th, there was $263 million in cash and short-term investments at the holding company, more than enough to support our capital management program and pursue opportunities that might arise to grow our business through M&A or other expansion. Frank? Thank you, Ned. Stan, final thoughts from you? Thanks, Frank. You know, it's no secret that we take a long-term view and structure our company and our strategy accordingly. In light of our certainty that health care will be delivered in large part through vastly changed organizations in the future, we are augmenting the services and lines of insurance we write to meet those specialized complex risks. We are committed to fundamental change, and we are investing human and corporate capital to uniquely position ProAssurance as the best organization to serve those evolved needs. Indeed, one would be hard-pressed to find another organization that is so poised to serve healthcare with the array and scope of products and expertise that ProAssurance offers. Not only are we bringing new products to market, we are refining those we have always offered so that they are able to respond as new theories of liability emerge. We are providing comprehensive liability insurance solutions for risks which were undreamed of a decade ago. And in doing so, we are making ourselves more attractive to the different distribution channels that will be required in the future. Our insureds today and tomorrow can be confident that we have the financial foundation, the experience, and the foresight to be a trusted partner. And our investors should have the same confidence that we are not doing this in a vacuum. We understand the need for profitability, and we have a remarkable track record of maintaining that profitability value for our shareholders, even as our organizations evolve. We have done it before, and we are proud to be doing it again today. Now for questions. Thank you, Stan. Mar, that concludes prepared remarks, and we're ready for questions. Thank you, Mr. O'Neill. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, it is star 1 for questions, and we take our first question from Matt Carletti at JMP Securities. Hey, thanks. Good morning. Morning, Matt. Um, Got, got two questions. One relates to capital and one more of just a, a housekeeping numbers question. Um, on the first one, um, you, know, you guys obviously have been active in M&A over the years. Um, you know, every year we see a, probably at least a few um, transactions, um, some small, some large. Um, you know, any given one, sometimes it's hard to see how much you know, capital is being deployed in any one transaction. So I guess there's two questions, the first of which is, can you give us some idea over the, the longer term two years, five years, you know, whatever kind of time horizon you, you might be able to comment on, on at least your view of how much pro-assurance capital has been deployed and kind of growing the business, whether through M&A or organically. Um, and then secondly, just an update on, you know, where you see the M&A environment today and um, if you still see a, a full pipeline of opportunities. Hey, Matt, it's Ned. I'll take the first part of that question, and then as far as the pipeline, I'll, I'll let Stan address that. I think that's a great question. And you know, if we kind of pick an arbitrary time frame, maybe look back to 2010. Um, over that time, we've done four transactions uh, for a total value of around $612 million. And over that si same time period, going back to 2010, we have uh, bought back and paid dividends totaling $677 million. So, you know, in the aggregate, approaching $1.3 billion in capital that we've deployed either through uh, return of capital or through M&A transactions over that time period. Matt, as to the uh, pipeline, uh, as you know, uh, you can't make the uh, transactions happen. You have to be opportunistic. Uh, these types of transactions are episodic, uh, and they occur, frankly, uh, for reasons that are outside of our control. Uh, we spend a lot of time and effort in um, developing our relationships with those uh, in this sector, and we like to be thought of as um, the aggregator of choice. Uh, but you can't make them happen. You just have to be available and ready, and that's one reason we maintain a significant capital within the organization is to take advantage of these opportunities as they arrive, arise. And given the fact that you can't plan for them, uh, you have to be in a position to, to move quickly when they come up. Uh, I think we will see uh, activity in the years ahead. I think the changes in health care will propel a lot of that activity. Uh, it's just going to be uh, very attractive to some of our smaller mutual brethren uh, to join with an organization who has the financial scope and the geographic reach uh, to take full advantage of all the changes that are coming in health care. So I'm optimistic that we'll have opportunities in the future, and again, I, I can't begin to tell you when they might occur, but we're ready for them when the opportunities arise. All right, thanks, Dan. That's very helpful. And then just one last numbers question, uh, I guess, for Ned. Um, obviously, you guys are no different than many of your peers in the quarter and in, in investment portfolio. Uh, there's some mark-to-market headwinds that hampered book value growth. Um, but you know, as, I, as we kind of sit here, it looks like a lot of that potentially could have reversed already in the fourth quarter. Do you, can you give us a, a ballpark? Do you have a number of kind of what the, the mark-to-market mark on your portfolio would be if, say, end of October or today? 
Yeah, so if we look if we look through the end of October, Matt, on the on the bond portfolio, it's about a six million dollar improvement. And then on our equities, um, it's it's probably around two and a half million dollars. Great. Those are, Thanks those very are, much. Um, those are gross numbers pre-tax. Great. Thank you, and uh, congrats on the quarter. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. We'll move now to Ryan Burns of Janney Capital. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, hey, Mike, I just had a, a question on, on how we should think about um, the combined ratio uh, in, in the comm segment. Well, um, <clears throat> Uh, just from the perspective of, of the combined ratio and, and how we've looked at it through the first three quarters, uh, obviously we've had um, our intangible asset amortization and purchase accounting expenses overlay the, ex the overlay the combined ratio and the one-time charges. The, um, the volatility in the SPC business uh, in the first two quarters. Uh, benefited the company 1.1.5 point. In the first quarter, it was a point. The second quarter, is about a point and a half. In the third quarter, when we had the volatility within the cells, it, was, it added about 2.5 points back to the loss ratio. So from the combined ratio perspective, normalized uh, through those three quarters, it's really been about, about, about a 91. Got it. Perfect. Thank you. You bet, you're on. We'll go now to Steve Roseberry of Surveyor Capital. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, just a quick question on pricing in the physician's book. Uh, in the release, it says that uh, you know pricing improved um, and you know points to plus two versus have been running plus one. And similarly, the retention improved in the physician's book. I think it's at a point. So I was just curious, given the, uh, the the rate of change in pricing and in high retention, you know, what what do you guys sort of I guess the question is, is this the beginning of a trend, and do you suspect that, you know, as you look out over the next year, that pricing will be up three or four, or do you think we're kind of like just it's a little bit of a statistical blip? Yeah, this is Howard. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect, or I wouldn't call it either one. I uh, really don't see it in terms of being a, a price increase trend. Uh, we, we are getting some increases in areas that we feel that we need it. Um, podiatry book, for example, continues to have uh, price increases due to the increased scope of practice among podiatrists and, and therefore some additional loss costs which drive pricing there. Uh, we had other um, areas, other states where we had price increases in the quarter. Uh, some of it is due to maturing of business that was written last year or the year before on a first year claims made basis, some larger accounts uh, that came to us and so they're moving through the claims made progression and we've gotten price increases in that way. Uh, and then I think generally we do see the variation in pricing from quarter to quarter. So, uh, you know, we have a range uh, that we normally look at over the, and if you look back over the past several years, anything I'd say between minus two and plus two for a given quarter, I would consider kind of within the normal range. Uh, it, and it varies based on the mix of business by state and also by, uh, you know, by type of, of account. Thank you. Next, we move to Paul Newsom at Sandler O'Neill. Good morning, and uh, thank you very much for the call. Oh, I, I was hoping you could talk a little bit more uh, about some of these um, new investment initiatives that you mentioned in the call um, as to what 
maybe specifically they are and and um and sort of you know maybe some just more details about what they say about the future of the firm um hey Paul I'd be happy to address that it's, I think a couple of things part of it is is just continued investment in our existing infrastructure and maintaining that infrastructure even though when you look at our core business, um, you're seeing a decline in premium. So that, that human capital in particular, we, we value highly, and we're doing all that we can to hold on to that human capital. In addition to that, we have a number of initiatives going on across the organization, typically in the information technology arena. So uh, making improvements to or, or updating the policy administration systems that we use across the various lines of business so that we can provide an even higher level of service to both our insureds and the agents who service those insureds, I'd say, was, is the biggest component of it. Um, lastly is, as we've become a, you know, a larger and more complex organization, with the addition in particular of Medmark and Eastern, it's making sure that we have the appropriate infrastructures in place um, to manage and oversee the complex business that we have become. And I, now, Frank is telling me I may have not answered your question. That was on the expense side. Um, if you're talking about some of the, the underwriting opportunities on the healthcare professional liability side, I'll let Howard address, um, address those two. Sure. Um, you know, mentioned uh, the two things during the prepared remarks on pro-assurance risk solutions and, and also Proxim uh, pro-assurance complex medicine. Uh, the risk solutions, as I mentioned in the, in the prepared remarks, really focuses on financially oriented larger transactions, things like lost portfolio transfers, uh, as an example, hospitals that are merging or acquiring another entity may not want to take on the past liabilities and, and might want to close out both the, the known claims uh, as well as any unreported claims, and they're willing to enter into a transaction uh, to, to do that, and we think that we're well suited to be able to evaluate those transactions. We have the capital base and we have the, the financial ratings to provide them with the security for that. Uh, and similarly, in workers' comp business, you can have that type of a transaction when mergers take place and uh, there might have been a self-insured program or, or other type of employer-funded programs that need to be closed out or the acquirer might desire them to be closed out. You can also have adverse loss development uh, protection for these programs. And th these types of transactions, as we mentioned, can be um, large and, and, and periodic, uh, and they also may be retroactive in nature, and some of them may be booked as premium, and some of them may be booked as deposit accounting. So it's hard to predict. Uh, but those are the, the things that we see a need for in the marketplace, and we were able to attract a, a team of people that uh, have done this quite successfully over the years. And then briefly on, on pro-assurance complex medicine or Proxim, that's really uh, what we see as, as an opportunity to leverage uh, our abilities in the hospital professional liability space uh, with some really unique analytics that have been developed to look at utilization and patient mix and procedure mix uh, for the larger hospitals and where there's a large body of data and be able to not only look at the historical loss experience but look at what's being done 
real time uh, within these entities in terms of developing the appropriate pricing. Uh, hopefully all that has answered the question, but if not, let us know. No, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I have a second question that's unrelated, but a bit of a follow-up to the M&A question. Um, and and it, the question is this. It, now that you have um, some, some success and history with Eastern and the Lloyd's operations, has that changed the kinds of companies that you look for when you're looking at uh, acquisitions? Are you more likely now to buy a, 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 another workers' comp company or Lloyd's or even something um, completely different that's outside of the uh, medical malpractice and uh, your traditional corp uh, traditional businesses? You know, this is Stan. <clears throat> I, th I think we are, at the present moment, satisfied with the span of product offerings that we have. Uh, we started in 2009 uh, to build an organization that could serve what we perceived to be the significant changes that were going to take place in the healthcare system in the United States. And, and the first order of business was to make certain that we could cover the entire provider spectrum. It became clear even back then that, that the provision of health care is going to be pushed down to lower and lower provider cost levels. That's why we bought Midcon in 2009. That's why we bought PICA in 2009. Uh, so we are able to cover the entire health care provider spectrum. And then it became important, we felt like, to, to make certain that we could fill in for the market provided needs in medical products, clinical trials, genetic therapeutics, and that was the reason for MedMark. And then we felt because of the changing nature of the structures through which medicine will be delivered in the future, it was very important to have the workers' comp segment. And we're very proud that Eastern is the workers' comp arm of ProAssurance. Why was that important? Uh, the two hardest coverages to place in healthcare are MPL uh, and workers' comp. And with workers' comp, we're able to barbell those coverages and then fill in organically as needed with our healthcare insured, such as with our DNO products. So I, th I think we feel like we're well positioned today with respect to our product offerings. And M&A activities in the future will be designed to deepen our expertise and deepen uh, our abilities within we, each of those different segments. Uh, I would be surprised, although this is just a guess, uh, if our uh, next M&A was something other than sort of the traditional uh, medical professional liability carrier. I would think that would probably be what's next. I have no idea when it's coming. But having said that, we will look at all the opportunities that are presented to us. We have to take into account uh, the new distribution systems that will be utilized uh, as healthcare uh, continues to evolve in the future, and, and that'll be important to us. All that's a long way of saying that, that today, as a result of what we've done over the last eight years, we are well positioned, indeed, I would suggest to you, uniquely positioned uh, in the healthcare field. For example, who else has such a strong record of defending insureds? Uh, in the litigation that is brought against them, and at the same time can provide the workers' comp product uh, for the complex organization. Uh, we're, we're very satisfied with where we are product-wise, and I think we'll continue to deepen that as we go forward. 
Terrific. Thank you for the, uh, the answers, and uh, congratulations on the quarter. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a reminder, it is star one if you have a question. We're going to take a follow-up now from Ryan Burns at Janney Capital. Great. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Um, I just had a question about um, the uh, the premium at growth at, at Lloyd's. Um, obviously, you know, in the second quarter it was you know, 21 million. It dropped down to six million this quarter. I realized there was some podiatry business in, in the uh, in the second quarter. But just wanted to see how we should think about how that business ramps up. Um, I realize it probably will be a little bit lumpy, but is there anything? Can you guys maybe help us there as to how you guys think that will grow? I'm not sure we can give you a, a lot about how we think it'll grow, maybe more just in terms of the um, what we've seen so far. Uh, as you mentioned, the podiatry business uh, came on, and, and you talked about second and third. We'll talk about first and second because of the way that we record, or we record things. Uh, podiatry business came on effective January 1st, and it gets booked for the whole year in terms of written, so that was a big uh, portion of what was recorded um, by the syndicate in the first quarter. And as we moved in, in, their business moved into the second quarter, which is a big time in Lloyd's for property renewals, uh, the property reinsurance team did not really come on board until, because of non-competes and so forth, really didn't come on board until the end of, of the second quarter, beginning of the third. So some of the property reinsurance business that might have been written and likely be written next year uh, did not get written this year. And, and that was not unexpected, really part of, of the overall plan of staffing out the, uh, the syndicate. Uh, also, the property reinsurance uh, marketplace is quite soft right now, so uh, the, the pricing that they saw on a lot of submissions, even when they were in place, didn't really lend itself to, to writing that business. So in terms of, of what we expect, you know, again, we, we're really not in the position to project the future, but overall on the, on the business plan, we think that uh, we're going to see a nice mix of business uh, throughout the year. It will continue to develop uh, the, the Underwriting staff is fully in place right now, and you know, just as an example, we have uh, about 70% of the the business is in uh, casualty, about 8% of the business is in property insurance, and that's direct insurance business primarily in the U.S. About 18% is uh, property cat, and about 5% is other property reinsurance. I'll just give you a little bit of a profile of what we have. Great. No, thanks for the call there. And then, and then just my, my last question is, um, I, I think that uh, you guys probably just renewed your, your, your uh, MedMouth uh, reinsurance treaty. And we've been hearing, at least on the primary side, of, of people getting you know, increased uh, seating uh, commissions um, and basically should, should help expense ratios going forward. Just wanted to see if you guys had any color on how your renewal went and, and if, if they could have any impact going forward. Yeah, uh, and this is the the reinsurance for the what we'd call the the traditional uh, healthcare professional liability, the uh, the physician business and, and hospital business that renewed October 1st. Uh, we saw some modest um, reductions in our cost, uh, reductions in the in the uh, the margin that is uh, built into that reinsurance program. Uh, I'd say approximately seven eight percent. 
this is an excess of loss program, so it really doesn't involve seating commissions. We've, we've heard about the same things that you have, I think, in the marketplace with large seating commissions, but that really doesn't affect the, the reinsurance that we buy for that program. But we were satisfied, or more than satisfied, pleased with the results. We were able to expand uh, the, the scope of coverages that we have to uh, include our recently introduced directors and officers program uh, and made some other, you know, small improvements in, in the terms of the program uh, as part of the renewal. Ladies and gentlemen, a final reminder, it is star one if you have a question. I'll pause for a moment to give everyone time to signal. Mr. O'Neill, there are no further questions at the moment, sir. Mark, thank you, and thank everybody for joining us. We will speak to you next, I believe, in February with year-end results. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes today's conference. Once again, thank you, everyone, for joining us.